Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that I'd like to study with you today will focus on our reading from 1 John, but I'd also like to bring in those other two readings, especially the themes of light and darkness. Are you afraid of the dark? Maybe you should be. I'm sure it's happened to you like it happens to me. You're lying in bed in the middle of the night, the lights are out, it's dark out, and you hear something or someone. Now, when my kids were little, it was usually them. They'd sneak up in the middle of the night, they'd stand right next to the bed until you opened your eyes, and all of a sudden, they're, they're there. They're older now, they don't do that. But I still, when I hear something, I, I say, hello? Just to see if they're wandering around. If there's no answer, well, then I, I can see out of my bedroom door into the living room, but, but just a sliver, so I, I just watch to see if anything's moving out there. It always seems like there's shadows passing, but probably just my imagination. If I can't fall back to sleep, then I have to get out of bed and, and go look. And You don't want to wake anybody else up, so you try to just peer around the corner in the dark to see if there's any danger lurking. And usually, there's nothing there, but sometimes if you just can't shake it, you have to turn on the lights. Because then you can see. And that light brings feelings of safety and security. That's true not just with physical light, but with God's spiritual light as well. Today the Apostle John warns us about living in darkness and encourages us, almost begs us, to live in the light. But now we have to identify, what does that mean, to live in darkness or to live in light? Well, let's start with darkness, which begins from the time we're born. I know people still don't like to hear it, but the Bible's clear that because we're born in sin, we're born in spiritual darkness, or sometimes we say we're born spiritually blind. Sin so covers our hearts and our minds and, in a sense, even our eyes, that we can't see God. We simply do not know who He is. Now, by nature, we can know that there is a God. I mean, logic really says that somebody created this world with all of its design and detail. And our conscience tells us that one day we're going to have to stand before the throne of the Almighty and give an account for our lives, but we still don't know who He is. And by nature, we certainly do not know if God loves us, if He's willing to forgive us for our sins, or if He's only going to punish us for them. We don't know about God's promise of a Savior or that Jesus fulfilled that promise. And maybe what's worse, the devil works really hard to keep us in the darkness. And one of the ways he does that is he fills the world with lies of darkness. That's really what Isaiah was describing at the beginning of our first reading. He said that the Old Testament people of God, they were consulting mediums and spiritists. And God said, why would you ask them instead of coming to me? He said, unless you have my word, you do not have light. And that's true for us today, too. I pray that you don't consult mediums and spiritists. 
You're not calling 1-800-WANDA in the middle of the night or, or reading palms or the stars or, or, or hoping to find information that God hasn't provided. But nonetheless, the world is trying to fill your mind with lies. It starts with lies about God. If the world can convince you that there is no God, that's the easiest lie. And there are more and more people in this world who have simply dismissed God. And now you constantly hear, trust the science. And it used to be that science was an observation of God's work. And now science often, not all of it, but often tries to explain the world without God. And then if there is a God, you, you get extremes. Either God is evil because what kind of loving God would allow pain and suffering and sickness and disease and war and death? If, if he could get rid of it, why doesn't he just make it all go away? Or you have a God who is loving, but by loving they mean accepts all of the evil and would never punish anyone. That leads to lies about humans. Again, on the one hand, there's a complete denial that we're born sinful because nobody wants to think that we're evil. And so instead, the world tries to convince us that deep down inside, people are essentially good. On the one hand, the world says that if you want to count for something, you have to live up to its standards. You have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or act a certain way, and then you'll be popular or cool or influential. And on the other hand, the world says, oh, you can be whatever you want. You can even change your gender. And if you don't want to be a boy or a girl, well, then you can be a furry or you can be an elf. You, just, you go ahead and pick. It doesn't matter how God made you. You get to decide. That leads to lies about life. Really, if, if we're simply the top of the animal chain, our lives have no purpose. And so for many, they create a purpose, which is to might as well enjoy it while you're here. Make as much money as you can, buy as much stuff as you can, make memories and experiences, and when that doesn't work, then eat whatever you want, and drink whatever you want, and smoke whatever you want, and if that doesn't work, then, then go find someone and be as intimate as you want with as many people as you want, and you just keep searching until you find something, and, and then when your life is over, we'll have a celebration of life that apparently didn't go anywhere. Which finally then leads to lies about eternity. Again, extremes. On the one hand, there is none. When you're dead, you're dead and that's it. On the other hand, if there is an eternity, well then you either have to please this mean judge God and hope that he accepts you, or he just accepts everyone. Lies. Darkness. And where does it all lead? Well, Isaiah described that too. He said, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. And when they are famished, because the lies never satisfy, 
Then they become enraged and looking upward, they curse their king and their God. And when they look back toward the earth, they see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they're thrust ultimately into utter darkness. It's no different than the Garden of Eden. Satan deceived Adam and Eve into thinking that if they ate the forbidden fruit, nothing bad would happen, and instead they'd receive these blessings. Your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God. And as soon as they took a bite, it all disappeared, and all that was left was the darkness of sin and pain and suffering and death. And that's where it always leads. And so there's one more lie we have to address. It's the lie that you can live in the darkness and in God's light at the same time. See, if the devil can't get you to completely ignore God, then he just wants you to think you can have it both ways. And we have to wrestle with that. Because there are a lot of believers who are still at least dabbling in the darkness. That's what John's describing in our reading from his letter. He said, we, have come to, we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commands. But whoever says, I know him and does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. And then at the end, he says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness. And they walk around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. There were all kinds of Christians in the early church. Well, at least they claimed to be Christians. I believe in Jesus, but they were still living in the darkness. It's not my job to judge your heart. God knows. But I do think it's to your best interest to look into your own heart and to ask what lies are you tempted to believe? Are, are you overly concerned about what everybody else thinks about you and so you want to meet up to the standards of the world? Are you overly concerned about making money so that you, you, you think you have to do it all rather than trust God to provide through the work he has given you? Are, are you so concerned about enjoying this life that maybe you kind of forget about the life to come? Today, John encourages us to just flee the darkness and live in the light. What's that? What well, starts with Jesus. Jesus is, the light, as we just saying, Christ is the world's light. If you remember creation, the first thing God created, right, was light. But where did that light come from? There was no sun until day four. Jesus is our light. And Jesus was willing to leave the eternal light of heaven and enter into the darkness of this world. He began to bring light. Matthew tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, that even though the people were in darkness, a light was coming. And Matthew says, look, there he is in Galilee, the, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which were two of the Old Testament tribes of Israel. Jesus was living and breathing in this dark world, and he was calling people out of the darkness, repent. Repent. 
and into the light. Believe the good news. He was showing God's light by his preaching and teaching and then even healing people from their sicknesses and diseases. But while he was here, of course, Jesus had to deal with the darkness too. We'll hear about that in just a few weeks when we begin Lent again. The devil came and he tried to deceive Jesus with all of the same lies he sells to us. But Jesus resisted the darkness by trusting in the light and truth of God's word. But then he entered into the deep darkness. And Jesus willingly took our sin upon himself. For all of the times when we trusted the devil or the world more than God, for, for all of the times when we treasured the world's tr pleasures more than God's blessings, for all of the times that we wanted to wander into the darkness and just assume the light would be there, Jesus, he took that sin upon himself and he suffered. He, he suffered, of course, in his body. He, he, he suffered also in his soul, as in Gethsemane he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, but worst of all, while Jesus is hanging on the cross in, in suffering we can't imagine, God thrust him into eternal darkness, and he was forsaken by his Father. But Jesus did not remain in the darkness. Instead, he rose from the dead and he continued to shine light into our dark world. First he appeared to his disciples, but then before he ascended back into the eternal light of heaven, he gave them the gospel to spread his light throughout the world. And that's what John's talking about now when we come to know Jesus. Through the gospel, God calls us out of darkness and into his light. Of course, to know Jesus is more than just to know about him. It has to start there, right? We have to learn that Jesus is the Son of God. And that as we confess, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And, and he lived and he preached and he taught and he healed and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. But faith in Jesus is not just knowing the facts. It's actually believing them. And that's what God wants for you. God wants you to believe that he loves you. God wants you to believe that because Jesus died on a cross, he has in fact forgiven all of your sins and taken away its guilt. God wants you to believe that because Jesus lived a perfect life in the middle of the darkness, God gives that holiness to you and he sees you as his own dear child. God wants you to believe that the blessings that he offers you in his word and in eternity are so much more valuable than anything this world can offer that you could care less about what the world has to offer. To live in the light means to fully believe that God loves you and therefore you want to obey his commands. That's what John said, right? We have come to know him if we keep his commands. And then he gives some examples that often those commands are simply about loving God and loving one another. God didn't give his commands to you to restrict your pleasure. God's commands are to protect you from the darkness. 
God wants you to trust that when you put him first, he'll provide everything else that you need. God wants you to trust that when you honor your father and mother and those in authority, he will use them to care for you. God wants you to believe that marriage is so much better than living together and that sex within marriage is so much better than sex without marriage, outside of marriage. God wants you to believe that you don't need what everybody else has, but he's given you the right amount of blessings at the right time. And God wants you to believe that there's even more waiting for you. To live in the light then means to know Jesus to trust in Jesus, and then in love and trust, to live by his commands. I hope that you're afraid of the dark, especially the spiritual darkness, the lies of this world that only lead into everlasting darkness. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to use the light of the gospel to give you faith in God and his love and his forgiveness and his life all brought to us through Jesus Christ. And I pray that when you wake up in the morning, you will live every day in the light of God's love until you live in his light and glory forever. Amen. Please stand.